0: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like
1: you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend Right here at AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. And we're always so happy uh, when you decide to join us, which we hope is every weekend. Uh, Now, we get on the air because of the engineering skills of one uh, Pete Paquette. Andrew Herdliska produces the show. And I'm happy that uh, Kenny Luck is with us, founder and president of Everyman Ministries. He's the lead pastor at Crossline Community Church in Orange County, California. The book, Overflow, Setting the Holy Spirit Loose in the World You Live In. Kenny, so nice to uh, have you with us, and so uh, nice to catch up with you. Well, good to be with you, Pat, and thanks for your ministry. Uh, Give me an overview on this book. Well, the big
2: idea, Pat, is that, that God, if you're a believer in Christ, is at work in you, and he's at work through you to change the world around you. You know, a relationship with Jesus changes how we think about ourselves. He, he, he tells us that we are these, these identities that suggest we're influential. He says, you are salt, you are light, you are a fragrance, you are children of light. And so it suggests very strongly that he wants to use us to shift the environments, the spaces, the places that we occupy, where we work, where we live, where we pray, where we play, wherever we are, uh, toward his agenda. And uh, that, that's the big idea of the book. All of us, all your listeners, right now, we're alive at this time. We're located on a specific part of planet Earth. We're connected to social networks personally, professionally, socially, spiritually, by God's design, and for God's purpose. And so that's the big idea of of the book, that we are on mission in the spaces and places that we occupy, and the supernatural can be supernatural if we understand that.
1: Well, let's dive into the meat of your book. Uh, Chapter one, Salt by Contact, I Am in the Mix. Uh, You're going to have to explain that to us.
2: Yeah, um, the Bible has six different ways it talks about being salt, But the one in the Gospels is just like, you know, that that common table salt that everybody has at home, Pat, you know, that we sprinkle on food, and um, the salt makes contact, and it, it draws out, flavor. I think your listeners, especially the ones who like salty things, they can appreciate that, where it's a common thing. It was a common thing in Jesus's time. It was just like today, and people would put it into food, or they would put it on things, and it would influence those things. It would, if it was for flavor for food, it would draw things out. It would add, right? Or it would serve as a preservative, or it would operate in the first century even as currency. Salt was a commodity. In fact, Roman soldiers sometimes were paid with, with salt. And so when you kind of look at the the context for how that word is used, and Jesus is talking to people who understand salt in those ways, many of the same ways we do, um, it, it hits their brain and they go, ah, I got it. I, I need to be, when, when I make contact with something, A, I have value. B, when I make contact with something, um, I, I influence uh, the things I make contact with. So that is the, the picture behind Jesus calling us, but you are the salt of the earth. You're sprinkled into situations. You're sprinkled into places. You're sprinkled into your, your networks, to, to influence them as people and environments and situations make contact with you. And when you look at it from the form, uh, from the perspective of, that's my identity. I am salt. Jesus calls me salt. It changes your, your way of thinking and your approach to just where you are at any given moment, at any given time, whether you're in line in the grocery store, or whether you're driving on the road and see someone who needs help or whether you're in your cubicle at work or talking over the fence to your neighbor salt by contact.
1: Now talk to us about light by contrast. I am, I am visible.
2: Yeah. Um, well contrast provides the context for appreciating anything. So you see, someone who is mean versus someone who is good, and you have the basis for making a comparison. Or when you're in the dark, right, the contrast of then someone flipping on a switch uh, helps you appreciate light, right? And so God's people are juxtaposed. They're put right next to spiritual circumstances and cultural darknesses. That's why uh, Jesus uses this. Light, by contrast, brings hope. Light, Jesus labeled himself light. He came into uh, a world, uh, John chapter 1 says, filled with darkness. And what did he do? He brought out God for people to see by the way he lived, by the way he loved, by the way he broke the rules to make people feel seen and known and appreciated. And so when it comes to being light by contrast, really the only thing that that we need to do as followers of Jesus is wherever we are, do that thing in that moment that will simply show love for God and people. That shines God's light, and it brings him out for people to see, just like Jesus did.
1: Now explain to us aroma that spreads. I am life-giving.
2: Yeah, um, well, you know, smell is, at least the the neuroscientists tell us, smell is uh, the fastest um, and most recognized sense. That we have it's it 's immediate, um, I think our listeners today can identify maybe with some smells from their past, maybe it 's fresh grass if you 're an athlete, maybe it 's moms cooking you know when you walk through the door or maybe when you go to fill up the tank maybe it's a, I mean it hits your olfactory nerves and your noise, it hits your limbic system, and it immediately calls up. Um, memories and a sense of time and and place, and so when in the Bible, the Bible calls us an aroma of the fragrance of Christ. You know, it, it it's talking about the very same thing. It's that when when people get a whiff, so to speak, of our character that is expressed in conduct. When they get a whiff, of you're you know, you're talking with a group of dudes or something's like, hey, get a whiff of that guy. What are we saying? We're we're saying that this person is is throwing off something that we sense. And the Bible is very clear that we as God's people, in our context, we're an aroma of Christ, both to those who know Christ, who are fellow followers, but also to those who don't know Christ. Maybe. Some are getting a whiff of Christ for the very first time, and God is intentional about where He puts us. And the goal is to be an aroma uh, of the of the life of Jesus Himself. What a privilege, right, to be called the fragrance of Christ among among those who are alive and
1: are around us. Uh, <clears throat> my guest, Kenny Luck. Author of Overflow, can he talk to us about available to God in my context? Context, my, I am re- yeah. I am releasable for God's purposes. What does that mean? Well, it means
2: that that you are are mindful um, and you're available and flexible to be used by God wherever you are and. That's how we're available to God. We're just mindful of who we are. We're salt. We're light. We're a fragrance. We're mindful of our identity. And we're mindful of how that identity is connected to eternity and the supernatural reality to which we belong in the sense that we belong to king. We belong to kingdom, a rule and realm that is advancing. And we're on the team. To advance that that kingdom forward, in our context, we don't necessarily need to get on a plane and go to a foreign country and 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 serve people to be used by God. Actually, where we are, where we work, where we live, where we drive, where we pick up our coffee, that's our context and the people in those environments. Um, and if we we're mindful. Uh, that that we're salt, light, and a fragrance, and we're mindful that we belong to a supernatural reality called the kingdom of God serving the king, his rule, his realm, and we're called to advance it. Um, I think that's what the Bible is referring to, or the Apostle Paul is referring to. It's like We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, right? And that is that supernatural realm called the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. We We don't see our interactions with people the same way God sees it. You know, when you're looking down on something, say, if you're up on a balcony and you're looking down on a dance floor, you can see things that people on the dance floor can't see. And God sees all the people and he's orchestrating. He sees the larger context of and he's doing so many things to put his people together with each other. Because they need each other, and his purposes are being worked out. We're, we don't see as God sees. So that's why we fix our eyes on not on what is seen in the weeds, but on what is unseen, which is eternal. And we go, okay, Lord, you see it all. I see that you're putting circumstances and people together. Um, I'm available to you to move me as your kingdom puzzle piece anywhere you want me to be or go so that I can be used by you. And so that awareness, Pat, of being available to God and his voice, you know, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, um, is what we're talking about when we talk about
3: being available to God in the context.
1: Now, <clears throat> Kenny, I want you to explain to us, prayerful to God in my context, I am, yeah. I am seeking and listening
2: yeah think of it. Um, just think about being on mission. you know if we see all these uh, streaming platforms and shows about Navy seals and they're always touching their ear if you're watching you know anybody on a tactical operation you know they're they're touching their ear they it's called comms right It's communications and and when you're in a battle, and let's just be honest, every person that you meet today is is in a spiritual battle there's a recruiting war for their identity there's a spiritual battle going on there's there's evil's agenda there's god's agenda agenda and then there's this group of people called followers of jesus and they're they're given a commission to intervene and so think about it in the sense of a tactical operation where god sends us in and we're in this specific uh place and we have to be on comms we have to have communication. We have to have connection. We have to be listening. And the good news uh, of, of being a Christian and hearing God is that Jesus guaranteed, A, that his sheep would know his voice, that when they hear his direction, it'll be clear. They will sense it. There's an there's a easy way to discern that. Um, things that show love for God and people, Thoughts come into our brains that are directed that way, and those are deposited and engineered and animated by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ himself. So Jesus said, I got to go, but you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send my Spirit. He's going to be inside of you, and he is going to guide you. He is a guide. And so we have a direct link and access to God, but like the apps on our phones. We, we got to activate those, and we have to listen in order to experience the connection to the <laughs> direction that they provide. And so that's what I mean by prayerful to God in my context, a conversation, a communication that lets them know, speak to me, give me direction, guide me
1: through your Spirit. Kenny Luck is our guest. His book, Overflow, Setting the Holy Spirit Loose in the World You Live In. We have another segment with Kenny. Stay with us. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, and you're plugged into AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5,
1: The Word. Now, here's Pat. Pastor Kenny Luck is our guest. He's in Orange County, California. We're talking about his new book, Overflow, Setting the Holy Spirit Loose in the World You Live In. Kenny, here's the next topic for you. Faithful to God in my context, I commit without knowing.
2: Right, I think our listeners understand uh, what that concept means. We, we do it every day. We go to the doctor. Um, he he tells us what ails us. Then he writes us a prescription. We go to the, the drugstore. But none of us are, well, very few of us, are bioengineers. Do we really know what we're putting in our mouth? No, but we commit without knowing because we're persuaded that the person who's guiding us Health knows what he's talking about. We we get in our cars, we turn over the engine or press the button to start our engine. We're going from point A to point B. We do that in faith too. We commit without knowing whether or not we're going to get there. I experienced this the other uh, the, the other the other recently with going to a baseball game. I I went to a baseball game at Anaheim Stadium. I was driving back. I've done it hundreds of times. You know, and I got in my car thinking I'm going to make it back my house but a drunk driver hit my wife and i head on mm. um in our car on the way home and so you know it's we don't know before the fact that certain things are going to happen but we are strongly persuaded that this is the right action this is the right thing uh, to do i mean gosh getting on a plane same thing we're, we're convinced because there's a guy up there in the cockpit that's trained to fly this thing. There's physics. We're persuaded, but we don't know before the fact that we're going to land, and that is the Christian life, and that is the way a relationship with God works. He gives us a direction. He, we're persuaded that he's trustworthy, but we don't know before the fact what the outcome is going to be. It has an element of, uh, of risk, but it's intelligent risk uh, in a person who we're persuaded is is trustworthy. And when he gives us a direction or um, some guidance or a command to do something, we do it in faith. And so when it comes to influence, sometimes God asks us to step in to a space. Sometimes God asks us to ask a question that will lead the discussion toward king and kingdom. Sometimes God invites us and, and, and asks us to, hey, tell your story to this person. Testify about who I am in your life and when I came into your life. And we commit without knowing. But then when we do, when we commit without knowing, when we take a step of faith, and we, we act based on the trustworthiness of who God is. That is when the kingdom breaks loose, behind that act of faith. You know, it says in, in the Bible that, um, that the, righteous, the righteous, us, who know Jesus, will live by faith. And if we shrink back, God's not going to be pleased with us, because we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe, And So there is an element of tension where either we're going to trust our fear, we're going to trust our feelings, or we're going to trust the Lord and take a step that we don't know in advance what's going to happen. But God says to do it, we do it in faith, and then the kingdom starts to unfold right before our eyes.
1: Kenny, tell us about setting the Holy Spirit loose. I am a fire starter. I want to hear about this.
2: Yeah, um, you know what's interesting when you when you read the Gospels and Jesus is talked about, you know, John the Baptist starts talking about Jesus. He says Hey, you know, I'm I'm the guy who's who's blowing the trumpet and I'm baptizing with water, but you know, there's there's a guy, there's a dude that's coming and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then you read in the Book of Acts um, as the disciples are faithful. And he says, go and wait, and the Holy Spirit is going to come. And it falls on men and women in the form of fire. That's the, that's the illustration, and that's the, that's the visual for those people experiencing um, the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think in, in just cultural vernacular, you know, when we say someone's in the zone or an athlete's in the zone— You know, we say, man, that person's on fire. You know, someone's lighting it up from three. Someone's just dropping dimes on the football field. Someone's in their sweet spot. We say, hey, that person's on fire. Well, when people saw followers of Christ um, filled with the Holy Spirit, they were on fire. It's like something had lit them up from the inside out. And fires can be comforting. Fires can be dangerous. Fires can provide warmth. Fires can burn. But the fire of the Holy Spirit in a believer, working in a believer and through a believer to change the world around a believer, just think of it as Uh, an ember that is in the wilderness and then a wind comes and it stokes that ember and it turns into a wildfire. That's the picture of what you see happening in the book of Acts when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They start changing the landscape in which They occupy. In fact, people would go, What has gotten into those people? And they start fighting, you know, for others, you know, they start spreading kindness and love. And, and so, um, that's the picture that the Bible gives of a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit is that they're now taking ground. They're they're influencing. They're changing the landscape of the context that they occupy.
1: Now, explain to us, release captives. I We're, I'm a freedom fighter. Yeah. Um,
2: so um, the model for this is just Jesus Himself. Um, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Luke four and and he says this really interesting terminology, Pat. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. And then he he outlines the reason the Spirit of the Lord is moving in and through him. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Right? Think about that. Think about um, someone who is... Um, chained. They're locked up. They're blocked. They can't escape a situation. And that's the reason Jesus said the spirit of the Lord was upon him, was to help literal and figurative captives, captive by the world, captive by addiction, captive to the lie and Jesus announces, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm fighting for those people as a liberator for those who are held captive. And, and this is a concept that is personal to every believer because we have a, a strong and tender God who delivered us. We have a, a God who fought for our spiritual and eternal freedom." We have a God who, like Jesus in Luke 4, he defends, you know, the vulnerable. We have a God who who wants us to reflect on on who he is and then make a, a simple transition. This is Jesus. Jesus is in me. This is me. He's a deliverer. And we get to ambassador his character through the power of the Holy Spirit in us.
1: My guest has been Kenny Luck. The book, Overflow, Setting the Holy Spirit Loose in the World You Live In. If you got a little taste of it, here, go get the book. You'll be uh, blessed for it. Uh, We, ladies and gentlemen, have more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. In Orlando. More of the Pat
0: Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat.
1: Kenny Luck, our guest in that first segment. Uh, Enjoyed chatting with him out on the West Coast. Well, I want to welcome an old friend, Robert Wolgamuth. Uh, A native, really, of Central Florida. He lives in Michigan now. Former president of Thomas Nelson Publishers. His new book is out, Finish Line. Dispelling fear, finding peace, and preparing for the end of your life. Robert, first of all, welcome to your old hometown of Orlando. It's uh, sure sure nice to catch up with you.
3: (laughs) Actually, right now, I wish I were there. I wish we weren't doing this virtually. I wish I were there. I miss Central Florida in so many ways, especially our dear friends. We got 17 years with them, and it was incredible.
1: Robert, uh, why this book?
3: Well, my last book was called Gun Lap, which was encouraging uh, the running of the last lap of your, of your life's race, um, And then this time, it's finish line. It's the straightaway, it's crossing the line, breaking the tape. And, you know, the scripture makes it very clear that we are all going to die. I know that's not necessarily a pleasant thing to hear, but it's the truth. And we all know that it's true. And the older we get, the more we realize how true it is. Our bodies begin to fail. Our minds begin to fail. And we begin to understand that this is really true, that we are on the final straightaway headed to the finish line. The whole point of the book, though, is for it to be an encouragement to men and women both who, who know for sure that they are on the final straightaway headed for the finish line.
1: Robert, uh, you opened the book in your first chapter, and there are 10 of them. Dead.
3: Not dead.
1: What's that mean? <laughs> What's that yeah. mean?
3: Well, it was it was originally called Yucky not yucky. And my editor said, that sounds like you're talking to a sophomore in high school. And I get that. So we changed it to dead, not dead. But even though I just said that we're all going to die, the, the story of Lazarus and Jesus coming to Bethany after Lazarus was dead. Remember the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He came to the grave of his friend and people were mourning and weeping. And then, of course, he invited Lazarus to come out of the grave. But the conversation that Jesus had with Martha right before that, uh, he challenges her with the fact that her brother is dead. But she responds with, yes, I understand that at the resurrection we will all rise again. So the truth is that we are all going to die. But because of Christ, because of knowing him, having faith in him, receiving his salvation, we aren't going to die ever. That's dead, not dead.
1: Then you move to this topic. Spoiler alert. Heaven can be yours. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right. So who better than Randy Alcorn to give an endorsement? In fact, when I asked him, and we've been friends for many years, uh, Randy, of course, wrote the international classic book called Heaven. So I said, Randy, I only want one endorsement on this book, and it's yours. And he said, I would love to do that. So the back of the book is Randy Alcorn's endorsement. And in the same way that the Bible promises that we're all going to die, they also the Bible also talks about the fact that heaven is real, and those who know Jesus as Savior will spend the rest of eternity. Just consider that, the rest of eternity in heaven. So you and I can embrace that, Pat. We know that that is true. God's Word says it. So heaven can be yours, and I, I don't. I don't want to surprise the reader. This the spoiler alert. Heaven really can be yours.
1: Finish line lines. That's the topic uh, number
3: three. Robert, fill us yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is this is a sobering thing. I mean, I think a lot about this. I mean, I'm 75. I was 75 yesterday. I know it'll take me a while to catch up to you, Pat Williams. But <laughs> so. 30%, now think about this, 30% of us will die suddenly. In fact, in the book, I say, for some men, their final words will be, hey, you guys, watch this. So, but 30% of us will die suddenly. My, what, my wife Nancy's daddy was on the tennis court. He was 59 years old. And he threw the ball up to serve it and dropped dead. He was dead before he hit the pavement. So 30, 30% of us will die like that, but 70% of us will have an, ex, an exit ramp. And I talk about my late wife, Bobby, who had a 30-month exit ramp. So that gave us a chance to say goodbye and to gather friends together. Bobby said, the only thing I really care about is that I get a chance to use this platform to introduce people to the Savior. So finish line lines, I have some fun with that. Uh, the final things, uh, Buddy Rich, who was a famous drummer, um, he was on his really deathbed, and somebody said to him, do you have any final words? And he said, yes, I hate country music. <laughs> 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 so anyway, it, you know, it's fun. But anyway, those that's finish line lines, things that people say before they die.
1: Now, let's move on. Two finish line guys in the Bible.
3: I spent some time with the Apostle Peter um, and also Abraham. Um, The scripture says he died uh, an old man, a good old man, and he was surrounded by community, by his friends. So, what better thing to do? First of all, to be called good, that your life was good. That, That sounds kind of like a benign word. I mean, people say fantastic, awesome, whatever. But they also say good as in, man, this is the good life. Well, the scripture says that Abraham died a good old man. And I mentioned yesterday was my 75th birthday. And if, I mean, if you talk to an 18 year old Robert and say, let's talk about 75 years old, I would say, that is an old man. So I'm grateful for these years and I want to finish well. I want. Those who follow after me to say, Robert lived a good life, and he was gathered to his friends.
1: What is this chapter about, Robert?
3: Temple care. Yeah, this is really fun. Um, the, the scripture talks about your, your body as a temple, right? A, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I talk about your temple or your house, your building is like a house. Your, your body is like a house. So I talk about taking care of your body. Um, I pay tribute to my primary care physician here in uh, Southwest Michigan, and and I encourage readers to have a doctor on speed call or speed dial. So your, your doctor takes good care of your body, but then also a pastor who takes good care of your temple. So you've got both a physical, body that is a, a house that needs maintenance, and your body also a temple. So you need a sexton, you need a pastor to, to help you take good care of the temple. You've got a house and a temple. That's what I talk about.
1: What does nuts and bolts mean?
3: All right. So 30% of the people who are hearing my voice, only 30%, have a will, 70%, just consider this, Pat, 70% of the people listening right now to my voice and to yours, when they die, the state, the probate court will determine what happens to your assets. So that chapter talks about taking care of the paperwork, uh, a will, uh, an estate plan, Having, having say in what happens to you, I mean, to your assets, to your thing, you, you may say, well, I don't have that much. Oh, you have a lot more than you think you do. So I'm helping the reader walk through what they need to do between now and the time that they die to take care of the paperwork in their lives. Why do you think that's so hard for people to do? We, we all think we're immortal. We think death happens to other people. So I know you knew Zig Ziglar. I know he was a good friend of yours. When you go to one of Zig's deals, he would say, I know, you, you, you know you need to do this, you need to do that. And you, you say to yourself, I'll do that when I get around to it. Have you ever heard him say that? Oh, yeah. And then he'd pass out these these poker chips, and printed on the poker chips was the word to it, T-U-I-T. And he, and he passed them out to everybody, and he said, now— You've got around to it. Now you can't say, I'll get it done when I get around to it. You've got around to it now. Well, we're, we're, you know, pro- procrastination is contagious, and we all put stuff off that we should do now, whether it's cleaning the garage or getting a physical or taking care of the kinds of things I'm talking about right, right now. So that's, that's the nothing bolts chapter. It's very important.
1: Now I want you to talk about topic number seven. <clears throat> and by the way... Uh, our guest is Robert woolgamuth uh, who spent many years here in Central Florida. His new book is out, Finish Line, Dispelling Fear, Finding Peace, and Preparing for the End of Your Life. Robert, this chapter, Saying Grace, what's that mean?
3: Oh, yeah, I love this. So I was at the DFW Airport, which is actually the 51st state in the Union. The thing is so massive. And, and I sneeze. I was on that one of that little tram, right, going from terminal A to terminal B. And I sneezed. And there was a guy standing close by. I put my hand over my mouth, don't worry. And he said, Bless you. And I thought, Isn't that interesting? This total stranger is pronouncing a blessing on me. He doesn't know me. I don't know him. Well, I talk about the blessing that people say, usually before a meal saying grace, right? So this chapter, I encourage readers to while they're alive to bless the people in their lives. So in that chapter, I have printed a blessing for each of my grandchildren. And you'll love this because they received their copies. Let's see, uh, two days ago, I sent them copies. And I underline, I mean, I I highlighted the the prayer, the blessings that I'm praying over them. They, they were able to read it. So I'm, I'm alive. I'm very much alive. And they are as well. But I wanted to pronounce a blessing on my grandchildren. And I encourage readers to do the same. There will be a time that you won't be able to bless your children or your grandchildren. So I put it right there in black and white to help the reader just get an idea of what I'm talking about, about blessing your children, saying grace.
1: Fascinating. And now Robert, we arrive at a question mark. who
3: will be, who will be your pallbearers? ooh What do you think? Uh, yeah, there you go. see that's right they need to be strong enough to carry the box but know where to put it so <clears throat> so um, because you're in Central Florida, I talk about my late wife's funeral at First Presbyterian Church in 2014 November of 2014 um, And I encourage readers to plan their funeral. What a shame if you were to die and your family and friends would gather and say, what would Robert want? Like, where would he want the funeral to be? Who would he want to speak? Does he want music? Does he want hymns? What would they be? They will never have. My children will never have to ask the question after I die. I wonder what Robert would want for this service. So in the same way we're talking about the nuts and bolts things and preparing a will and so forth, I encourage the reader literally to plan your funeral. Now, that's not meant to restrict or constrict your loved ones, your survivors, but it is intended to give them an answer to the question, I wonder what Robert would want for his funeral. It's It's a huge gift to them. It's not a gift to you. It's a gift to them, so they won't have to ask the question. I won't. I wonder what Robert would want for this service. So that's in that chapter.
1: Now, Robert, I want you to talk about No More Secrets. What's going on?
3: Oh, man. Um, I really wondered how specific to be in this chapter, Pat. And I won't say his name now, but in the chapter, I actually mentioned a man who is very, very well-known around the world, not just among Christians, but among many people. In fact, I hosted this man at First Presbyterian Church in Orlando. Uh, He spent two days. We had Q&A. He spoke. It was incredible. Well, he was a very close friend. In fact, he was converted under my daddy's ministry when my dad was in India, and this man was 17 years old, and he received Christ as his Savior. He became worldwide, worldwide known as an apologist and a brilliant man. And he was a brilliant man. When he died, his wife called me. We prayed on the phone. And by the way, I've spoke, I spoke with this man many times around the world. Anyway, so I'm talking to his wife. My friend is dead. Then within the next several weeks and months, his family, his colleagues began to uncover stuff that revealed that there was a part of this man's life that nobody knew about except him and God. And so what I do, Pat, is I encourage readers to pretend that they're gone, they're dead and their family, their loved ones are going through their stuff. They're reading emails, they're reading letters. I got to take journals.
1: Robert, hold your thought. We got We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Robert Robert Wolgamuth is our guest. He's in Michigan. The book, Finish Line. The show, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's
1: Pat. Robert Wogamuth, best-selling author, is our guest. (laughs) Walgamuth, Walgamuth, <laughs> uh, the book finish line. Robert, we interrupted you in the middle of a key thought, so pick it up right where we left.
3: Yeah, yeah. The, the chapter that we're talking about, Pat, is called No More Secrets. Yes. And it's, it's about living life as an open book. In fact, um, just a few days ago, I retired from my business. I sold it to my colleagues, and then I officially retired, turning 75. I hired two young men in 2005. I'm, I'm not boasting. This is a true story. I'll tell you why I'm telling it. So they came into my office. They were my first. They were my only full-time. I, I, this business I have started and at this time was running by myself. So I hired these two guys. I'm sitting in my office. I'm sitting at my, at my desk, and I say to them, there is nothing in these drawers, and I pointed to my computer. There is nothing on this computer that you guys don't have full access to. There's, there are no secrets in there. Now, that could sound admirable to some people. They'd say, wow, how cool of you being that open. The truth is, I know how broken and simple I am. And if I'm saying to men, my colleagues, you, you are welcome to access anything. Knowing that that that's true, that that is, that they will be able to access anything, helps me to be sure that I'm not holding any secrets. that there's nothing that they could find that would bring shame to Christ. And so this chapter, I mean, it's a tragic story. It's a story you know very well without me saying this man's name. But if you and I were able to talk to him, um, you know, a year before he died, I would ask him this question. Is there anything you're hiding that your family needs to know now before you die? So you can explain it or you can ask their forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Don't wait. The truth is they're going to go through your stuff. Your life will be an open book after after you're dead. So why not take care of that before you're dead? So as I said, you can ask forgiveness. You can explain things that seem unexplainable. Don't Your secrets will be revealed after you're gone. That's a guarantee. So take care of it before you die.
1: Wow, that's heavy.
3: Uh, Yeah, it's true.
1: Chapter 10, simply called Dying.
3: Well, the opening story in the book is about my late wife, Bobby. We were married for almost 45 years. Um, 30 months of fighting ovarian cancer. Uh, We were at the Arnold Palmer Group downtown, where you live. We love the people there. They did such a great job of taking care of my late wife. Um, But watching Bobby die removed my fear of death. Ah, Now, am I I afraid of how I'm going to die? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be painful and hard, but the the whole idea of death, absolutely was stricken for me as I watched this woman dying with grace. She never complained. I know people, I, people hear me say that and go, come on. No, she didn't. And she went through a clinical trial that was absolutely horrendous. I've got pictures of her with a knitted cap on her bald head and a huge smile on her face, even though she was going through this horrendous clinical trial. So I talk about the fact that dying is real. We've already talked about that, but that dying is real, that you are going to die. Listen to me. You are going to die. And what's going to happen to the people who you love? Uh, What's going to happen to your soul? What will eternity look like? Um, In fact, I talk about Ready Golf. That's in the epilogue. And I know that you know sports so well. And I know that you know what Ready Golf is, like you're on a crowded municipal course, right? And and usually, because it's a gentleman's game, you wait until it's your turn to hit your ball. But in ready golf, you hit the ball when you get there, and the truth is that you need to be ready for that. In fact, I tell the story, you know this so well, of Payne Stewart's funeral at First Baptist Church, and Paul Azinger, who delivered the eulogy, I had the privilege of writing that for Paul. and. The whole idea there. In fact, they. I'm sure you remember this. They delayed a tournament and flew from Houston, I think, every PGA pro to this service. And the challenge that Paul gave to these men who were sitting there is, "Are you ready? Are you ready? You're gonna die. Are you ready?" In fact, I I was at the Bay Hill maybe two years after that, and I bought some stuff at the merch tent, and the guy that handed me the. My, my bag with a, with a shirt in it, had a WWJD bracelet on. Remember those? Oh, yes. Oh, I said, yes. man, that is great. I love that. He said, I've been wearing this since Payne Stewart's funeral, because we passed him out at the end of the funeral. He said, I received Jesus as my Savior as the result of Paul Azinger's message. And I looked him square in the eye, and I said, the Lord gave me the chance to actually write that for Paul. And he came around from behind the cash register and we stood there and embraced my brother in Christ as a result of the death of Payne Stewart. How amazing is that?
1: That's powerful, Robert. At the very end of your book, there's a little, there's a little piece that you put in there and that's not all four pages.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So there was a man who my, wife Nancy loved and he died and so like a lot of stories that you know people are gathered around uh, his hospital bed and they know that Papa is dying and so they they're you know singing hymns and stuff and then they realize that he is actually stepping into eternity and instead of like being somber and sad and whatever, they celebrate and so they're they're shouting, "Go, Papa, go!" This is Dr. Heintz. I mean, he he was iconic. He Ed Heintz was a professor at Liberty for yes. many years. Yes, I knew him. And I did you. Oh wow! So just imagine, Pat. This guy is about to die. He's in the hospital. And don't you know? at a somber moment, and the hospital staff are accustomed to that. In this particular hospital room, it was like they were cheering. They were cheering their dad and their grandfather across the finish line. I that when I when I read that story, when I heard about that, Christy, uh, his daughter actually said this at the funeral, and I thought, what a cool thing! I talk about uh, a young man who, uh, on a wheelchair, went twenty six thousand miles. Um, talk about that in an early chapter. He's Canadian. He's going to the stadium on a wheelchair, 50,000 people screaming and yelling. That's, that's the end, man. That is the finish line. That's what this is going to be like. And uh, you know, my hope, my hope is that people who read this book will understand how important it is at this point in their life before their death, that they get ready to cross this finish line in In that, the writing of this book would be 100% worth the effort that I put into it. So that's my hope, man. That's my prayer.
1: Robert, I'm going to uh, take over the last minute and a half here and tell you a little story. Uh, It was uh, late summer 1979. My phone rang. I was in Philly, GM of the 76ers then. And the call came and said, Art DeMoss, your friend, uh, has just died on the tennis court. And wow. uh, so um, we we I, I quickly, wow. quickly got in the car, got a babysitter, uh, drove over on the other side of Philadelphia to the Demosses' house, and um, and and there was your wife, young Nancy Demoss. I guess she was 21. She was at Liberty University. 21. Had 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 quickly come back, and uh, we gave her a hug, and and I said, Nancy, Nancy, how are you doing? And she said, "Well, we're pretty rejoicing." Aww. She said, we're, we're, "We're she said we're pretty rejoicing." The next morning at church, uh, Mother Nancy escorted all the DeMoss children into church Sunday morning, and the song they were playing when they walked in was, "It is well with my soul." Well, the funeral uh, was later that week at that, at that same church, and we went to the funeral. Uh, Bill Bright Campus Crusade was there, and, and the place was full, and Bill Bright said, how many people are here today who, who, who came to Christ through the ministry of Art DeMoss? And, and, and uh, uh, Robert, I'm telling you, half the, half the room went, went up with hands. And, and so I've never forgotten that. Uh, Nancy's father was a dear friend and a, and a great, great soul winner. There was nobody quite like him.
3: He was.
1: Anyway, folks. Nobody like him. Robert Wolgamuth, our guest, the book finish line.
0: More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat.
1: Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Always a joy when you plug in with us. Uh, Kenny Luck was our guest in that first segment from uh, Southern California. Enjoyed catching up with Kenny. And then Robert Wolgamuth, who spent many years living here in Central Florida, uh, has just written the book, Finish Line, Dispelling Fear, Finding Peace, and Preparing for the End of Your Life. Quite a visit with Robert Wolgamuth and quite a book that he has penned. And speaking of books, my latest book is out. It's called Who Coached the Coaches? Uh, I interviewed hundreds of coaches, asked them one question. Who was the key person in you becoming a coach? And what did you take from that person? You'll find it really an interesting read. Who coached the coaches? Coach's Choice was the publisher out on the West Coast. Well, folks, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Have a wonderful week ahead. We'll see you next weekend. God bless. Thank you for
0: joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word